This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 450, Contractual Obligations. Hello and welcome again to your weekly technology podcast, gamesatwork.biz. My name is Andy Piper and I am one of your co-hosts. I am only joined this week by one other co-host and that is my friend Michael Martin. How are you, Michael? Hey, I'm doing fantastic, Andy. And we'll cover for Mr. Michael Rowe as best we can on a show where he would have a lot to say, wouldn't he? I mean... I mean, we'll come to that bit, but yeah, this is kind of like uh, an awkward show for Michael to be missing, given the amount of uh, related content, content mm-hmm. relatable content. But yes. yeah, let's kick off. Let's kick off with uh, we've we've had a few links this week, but there is a bulky section in the middle of the show that uh, relates to a particular topic. Uh, but we are also a gaming podcast, so let's talk about games a little bit. Uh, there was a story here on uh, Kotaku about. Hogwarts Legacy finally after how many years? Like nearly ten years, beating out a Call of Duty game is the best selling. Fourteen years, I beg your pardon. I'm just looking at the, the headline again. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous, right? Uh, something and, other than a Call of Duty or a Rockstar game, because we've yep. had in that fourteen years Grand Theft Auto Five and Red Dead Redemption Two. But uh, yeah, it's been heavily dominated by uh call of duty um the 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 top selling game charts and now suddenly and i would say unexpectedly uh to me at least hogwarts legacy is the uh top seller for last year yeah and and that's a little bit of a surprise to me too i mean not that i've been spending a lot of money on games uh i I have been enjoying enjoying dave the diver quite a lot uh, on on switch Um, but um, that's not here as one of the top 10 or 12 no i mean i think of the games in this list, I, I think you can play a ton of them on the Switch, but on the sorry, yeah. I, I, I mean on the Steam Deck, not on the Switch. Um, you've got two Call of Duties in the top ten, uh, top twelve. Um, yeah, sorry, you've got, yeah, no, you have got two. Yeah, two. You're mm-hmm. Getting um, misreading things. Of the games in the list, um, there's a Madden game. There's Spider Man Two, which is a game I wish I could play, but I don't have a PlayStation. Um, there's the uh, Last year's Zelda uh, Tears of the Kingdom game. I, I really enjoyed the first one. I dread to pick up the second one because I will be absorbed into it. Um, of this list, honestly, the only game I've played is um, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which uh, on the Xbox, which is really, really fun. And the bottom of the list is Super Mario Brothers Wonder, which looks fantastic, but I've not been uh, using my Switch so much in, in the recent past, so I haven't got into that. But um, but you do have a Mac, yeah, as I understand. I do. I do. And if you wanted to play a game demo from, say, oh, I don't know, September of 1995, uh, where, where would you go to find something like that? I mean, classicmacdemos.com seems to be the home of these kinds of things. Uh, and quite honestly, I'm more likely to be playing those games than I am uh, Hogwarts Legacy. I've got to be honest here. There's a really, it's a really nice website, actually. I think Michael Rowe may have found this one for us. 
Um, mm-hmm. They have the tentacles in there, of course, uh, but there aren't too many uh, that I remember really, really well. Deus Ex. Um, yeah, just looking at them simply, I, I found SimCity 2000, which oh, uh, yeah. was from 1993. Uh, that's yeah. when it was released. Um, there's uh, there's some Star Wars games in there. There's yeah. Looney Labyrinth, which there just, is, you know, say I, that three times fast. There is ironically also a Harry Potter game in this in this uh, on this website, <laughs> Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets from 2003. Um, so I guess if you wanted to, and I I I, I kind of lied. I, I know tons of these games. Um, <laughs> Uh, Populous being a particular favourite of mine from 1993 um, from the Guildford UK-based company at the time, Bullfrog Games. Um, phenomenal game. I used to play that on my uh, Acorn. Actually, uh, I wonder if there's a Populous, a free version of Populous anywhere these days. It was such a great game. Anyway, yeah. So um, from from gaming over to other stuffs. And uh, we're still in the kind of classic era initially. So um, one piece of news recently was uh, that the inventor of Pascal uh, had passed away. Um, and uh, I'm guessing that is uh, why the, uh, this, this, this uh, image has been shared on... Uh, yeah, so Nicholas Worth, the inventor of Pascal, uh, passed away uh, at the beginning of the year. Why this uh, image has been shared on Mastodon? Uh, it's the classic Apple's classic Pascal poster. Now I have to confess, I don't remember that poster. I'm shaking I your head at either. me across our video link, and uh, yeah, yeah, so um, it's been remade here as a as a vector image, so you can print it out as a using a P, as a PDF and, and as a nice poster. I honestly don't remember it. I was that was before 1979, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, it was before I was into, well, 1979 was, I was, I was, I was not very old and, uh, it was before I had an Apple, uh, device and, uh, certainly before I was aware of Pascal as a concept, uh, <laughs> as a person. Yeah. I don't recall seeing this ever before either, but it's, but it's nice and it's very old timey and very, um, multicolored, uh, from the old Apple logo too. So, uh, do, do check it out in the show notes. And I think you'll, you'll agree at least that it's multicolored and, and, and nicely presented. Um, we, we have another link that I'm, I'm certain came from Michael because he is a big fan of Schneier on security. Uh, this one deals with code written by AI assistants being less secure, which um, it's funny because Michael and I've had some conversations about this very topic. And arguably, if you were training your AI assistants with what code is secure from the get go, um, they should be the, the, the personifying here, but the AI agent should be able to write more secure code in theory than a human might because it already knows ahead of time what's secure and what isn't should be. So my, that's certainly my experience of using, for example, GitHub Copilot to, I say to it, look at this Python function or this, this chunk of Python code, what would you recommend? It seems to be reasonably good at spotting, uh, what I would assume to be unsafe things such as, uh, you know, um, passing in unsafe data to functions and things that were not doing any kind of sanitation on that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm often happy to consider its suggestions. 
I'm not going to say that I follow every single bit of advice that any of these AI things have given me. Uh, I think it's interesting. That, so so the, the, the story is from Bruce Schneier's website, but it's uh, referring to a, a research paper. And it's talking about uh, participants who had access to OpenAI's Codex DaVinci 2 model uh-huh, uh-huh. and suggesting that people wrote less secure code than those without access. Uh, I have not dug into the paper as to why this is the case, um, whether it's to do with blind acceptance of suggestions versus, you know, uh, having having reviewed their code themselves or having a, uh, another human review the code. Um, yeah. Well, security is a continual evolution and it's always Absolutely. cat and mouse. So one of the interesting characteristics is that your large language model is trained at a particular point in time. Correct. Absolutely. And if it's not hooked in to a machine learning kind of experience to augment it as things go along, then there's some challenges. And and that one yeah. of the commenters actually points that out right away. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's trained on a, a corpus of code, some of which may not have had the latest best practices applied to it. Therefore, if you came back six months later when that code had been tightened up in some way and retrained your model, would it produce better code or would you be given better advice? Yeah. Possible. Absolutely. And and security vulnerabilities are security vulnerabilities you, until they're closed, right? But and if so you're, once they're but closed, if, they're done. But if you're a junior programmer or you're unfamiliar with a particular language and you were to accept, accept a bunch of suggestions blindly, whether or not they were good is something that you wouldn't necessarily be able to judge. So... Yeah, it's a it's a usual swings and roundabouts kind of a kind of a t- conversation, I think. Now, um, some of the code might show up in robots, right? We we talk about AI, we talk about robots, we talk about a bunch of stuff, and there is um, from a startup called Figure, uh, Go Figure, um, <laughs> or Go Figure. Uh, there is a um, Uh, a humanoid robot that is intended to be a general purpose robot uh, that can do dangerous, repetitive, tedious tasks. And does it, does does it, is it, is it artificially generally intelligent as well as being generally useful? The article, the article doesn't say so much about that, but, um, but there, but it does talk about a number of automotive automotive manufacturers, Honda, Hyundai. This one is about BMW and the facility in Greer in South Carolina, um, looking at deploying some of these robots. And there's been a lot of robots, industrial robots, deployed in manufacturing facilities for a while. But these are humanoid, and and again, for the, the for the purpose of clarity, that means it is a person-like figure with hands, with a head, with a torso, with legs to um, motor around where it needs to go. And there is a, um, a small video embedded in the article where the robot was taught how to make coffee and based on the request of a of an individual, it asks the robot to make coffee and it actually does it. And the thing that I took away from this was yikes, we're right back in uncanny Valley. It's, you know, right away that this is not attempting to be a person. Um, but the way that the robot moves and the way the fingers and joints articulate in order to make the coffee using a small coffee machine kind of throws you in that direction. At least that's what I took away. What did you think? Yeti? 
It's interesting. What's in the backpack? I would have to imagine it's like batteries, uh, maybe compute power. Could be a jetpack. It's, it's a, it's a, so it's a small uh, embedded video on the newly video first uh, social network X. Um, because I've heard of uh, that somewhere. Yeah, uh, it's all it's, it's all for video creators. Apparently, you make loads of money on X if you post videos. That's what that's what I heard. Anyway. Um, so it's, it's quite a, it's, it looks quite a beautiful robot, um, sort of very shiny chrome, uh, humanoid, um, interesting, uh, with a big backpack on it for some reason, which we were just discussing. And it's even got something that even sort of appears to be a watch on one wrist, which, uh, to just to go even further down the uncanny vanny slash, you know, making things look like us. Hmm. I think it's interesting. I, th- I, I threw another link in here that, uh, Tesla um, showed a video, a pre-scripted video, pre-recorded video this week of one of its Optimus robots folding a T-shirt, um, undoubtedly uh, to, uh, you know, they, they, I'm sure they heard that this, that this might come out. This was, this figure robot was shown uh, on, on the 18th and the Tesla video, I think, was posted on the 15th. Um, I've seen, and, and, and they show the, that robot Holding a laundry uh, uh, that, uh, item. That's uh, a story on TechCrunch, and I'd seen it elsewhere. I'd seen other people talk about the fact that that seemed to be faked because there were a load of uh, hand movements towards the edge of uh, the front edge of the video that indicated that perhaps somebody was driving the robot and it wasn't working autonomously. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, and we talked as well about the the Amazon uh, shelf stacking one uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. I don't know what I think at this time. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling a little exhausted by the debate about making things that are going to replace us or not. Um, and I'm thinking a lot about this. I'm doing a keynote in uh, closing keynote at an event in April and thinking a lot about this topic in the context of art and AI, particularly uh, in the context of uh, LLMs. And then we come from, we go from the algorithms replacing us, whether or not they are artificially, generally intelligent and able to reason for themselves, which uh, I think is still a very, very long way off. Yes. Um, to this um, much more mechanical tool um, thing. It's interesting that that humanity often tries to make things in their own image, as indeed. Indeed, God did uh, in, in, in his own image. So uh, it's uh, it's all very, very strange. And I'm feeling a little bit, as you can tell from my tone of voice and sudden perhaps tiredness, uh, a little uh, jaded in all of this. I would be more interested to see how and when these things are actually used successfully rather than all these demos that can be shown and Prescripted and shown in a very specific lab environment, which mm-hmm. we're also going to talk about in a moment on, on another topic. Uh, scripted lab environments um, versus real world usage. So that's so, what I so think maybe, about it. Maybe I think one... this story. Sorry, just just sorry, mm-hmm. Michael. Just to finish my round off my thought, I think the story is written in such a way as to push people towards fear and concern because the last sent the last paragraph of the story is the bmw manufacturing facilities the companies oh it's not the last one it's the second last one 
Yeah. Uh, it's the company's only US-based plant where it assembles around 1,500 uh, vehicles every day and employs around 11,000 people. And it's the largest automotive exporter in the US by value with an export value. But, you know, it's it's quickly, quickly get the get the pitchforks and the and the knives and the hammers and sledgehammers and run and smash smash our these evil machines. You know, um, it's yeah. It, it just I, I I feel more and more. If I I feel increasingly aware of the way that we can be manipulated by media around these things gosh um there's a ton to unpack and all that and (laughs) and i and i i I love the points that you raise Uh, we we oftentimes on this uh, podcast do talk about how ai can be used to sway opinions and how um media and media reporting is is really crucial to understanding the world i mean it's one of the reasons why we do what we do here too because we're able to provide some commentary and have some fun doing it and stay up to speed on things um the the one point that i was going to make before we we bounce to our next section um was sort of a reaction to the art and the aspects of people making things in their own image right a humanoid Mm. robot and honestly if the objective here is to be more effective and efficient to do dangerous tedious tasks um the human body itself is notoriously ineffective for a range of things an elbow or a knee or a wrist if you were redesigning a human you would make it so that the wrist could move 360 degrees in any direction you don't need to make it go back and forth only that's silly look right? on a on a on a more more positive but still dark note um, i was <laughs> a positively was driving, dark note i was driving today with my wife and we had a long conversation about health treatments in particular cancer mm-hmm. treatments which is the dark part of this but uh i was referring to a, a hacker news story i briefly uh, read through this week relating to, I believe, some kind of proton ray treatment. I forgive me, I am going to be utterly smashing this story to pieces because I don't remember it in enough detail and I don't have a link in front of me. But we were talking about, uh, you know, traditional treatments and the ways that these diseases and illnesses can affect humans. And yeah, absolutely. Humans, I, I, I made the point as I turned off the motorway, I remember where I was sitting, how, how, where I was and the maneuver I was doing as I made the point to my wife, you know, that we are an incredible, brilliant species, right? But, but we are incredibly fallible, and fragile, and ridiculously silly animals uh, as well. So it was just one of those moments where I clearly saw the incredible brilliance of human humanity and the utter random weirdness of humanity that 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 is combined so anyway yeah there we go that's uh you know when i'm podcasting with you i you we we seem to get into these deep philosophical or i seem to end up in these deep philosophical debates with myself half the time uh which is always i mean it's a pleasure podcasting with both or either of you uh at any time but uh yeah just just an observation I, well, I love that too, Andy. And again, if we, if all we were doing is reporting the news, I mean, there's plenty of places you can go for that. 
um, that that's not necessarily what our listening audience goes for here. And, and I hope that the, our listeners are enjoying this kind of insight that you wouldn't get well, in other places. Well, let's, with that in mind, uh, talking mm-hmm. about our listeners, let's just, um, let's just, just shift, uh, uh, skip forward a, a, a chunk in our yeah. show notes here and refer to something else that came out, uh, in the last week or so, which is a story on semaphore about the incredible shrinking podcast industry. And oh, yes. it's a story that uh, really goes into the fact that Apple has changed uh, its reporting on how many people listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. And specifically in the more recent versions of iOS, they stopped counting um, people if uh, automatic downloads were switched off for the podcast. So if you were not to listen to an episode of a podcast for a month and it was a weekly yep. podcast, then your device would stop downloading it and then it then and then the servers would stop being hit for the downloads and then you know you, the, those listeners would, would uh for example and um you know it's a lot of big podcasts of which we are not one uh saw their official listener numbers have a dramatic haircut uh and you know people people uh some some people who are particularly bothered by podcast stats were were very bothered by this. Um, I will say that you know we do very much appreciate every listener that that listens to episodes of our show, and we would encourage you and ask you again to let f- people know. Write a review on your favourite uh, podcasting app, so for example, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, if if that's one that you use. Um, please do share. We we never have uh, expected million you know, listener audiences on our show, but and we love to make it. Um, but um, yeah, do, do, do keep listening. Do keep coming back. And we appreciate that. And talking of Apple, Michael, there's oh, a story yeah. here. Yes. So some, something got, went up for pre-order today, I believe. It was, wasn't it the polishing cloth? Yeah, I think, well, I think the po- polishing cloth remains compatible with the new device, right? I think it might be included in the box if oh, I remember reading it. Wow, that's a big deal because that polishing cloth is not cheap. And they're no. throwing it in. I know. They're just it's, throwing it's, it in the box. Well, they're not throwing it in the towel. <laughs> uh-huh. so there's a, look, there's a really good video. I think the ad for the uh, Vision Pro is really fun. Um, and uh, it, I think, uh, harkens back to the iPhone or the iPad. I don't remember which one of them had the kind of uh, historical videos of people. Yes. Oh, it was people for answering the phone, wasn't it? I think it was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then sort of showing how everything's about to change. And the Get Ready video on YouTube for the Vision Pro is uh, is people looking through lenses or glasses or... Or masks to, to, to kind of like pretend you're somebody else, right? Of course. And it helps the, you transform... Yeah, and of course the the best part from my perspective is Obi Wan putting the training helmet on Luke in uh, A New Hope and saying, you know, get ready, your instinct to let go of your conscious self. I think that's an absolutely brilliant uh, uh, clip. But look, the, the the Vision Pro it's two weeks away from release. One of our friends is going to be getting one on day yep. day two, not day one, because I think his collection date is the day after. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been a ton of additional press this week. What did you think of the the stories? We've got the Verge, we've got Nine to Five Mac uh, oh. doing kind of uh, follow up second second round hands ons. 
Yeah, a, a, just a ton of stories. I mean, the things that, that kind of grab me from the stories now are this is all pre-sales before it's in the wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so everything is very scripted, curated, uh, very precise in terms of generating excitement and buzz and convincing people it's time to time to buy. Right. You, use your Apple card. You can buy it over time. It's going to be affordable and you're going to be transformed. But it's also on on rails. Right. So. Evidently, mm-hmm. instead of having one journalist demo, uh, practice right on, they're, they're going through the real experience with two journalists. And typically, I think the one from The Verge has um, a lady that hadn't previously tried it, plus the editor who had previously tried it in the same room. So they got to kind of experience what it was like when the other one was wearing the headset using the apps. So you got to see the external you know, eyepiece uh, of, of the device mentioned uh, a bit. But they still had an Apple representative in the room with them monitoring what they were doing at all times and suggesting what they should and should not do. Uh, And (laughs) going back to real-world usage, um, Mm -hmm. I think that is really, really relevant. Um, I was asking... Somebody on Mastodon asked me right before we started recording the show because I'd posted that we were about to record the show and probably talk about Vision Pro. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I said, well, first of all, go back and listen to episode... 419 when we first uh, when it first was announced and we talked a lot right. about it but uh yeah i i i'm kind of forced to wait until it's available in the uk or until i next visit the us and hang out with my good friend mr mr Roy. but yeah. uh even then the prescription will be wrong um oh, but, oh good uh, point yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna wait and see uh, i'm gonna wait and see uh, this is this possibility and of course um not all of the things that I might want to use will be available on the Apple Vision Pro out of the box, right? It won't be, uh, but wasted time will, which is good. So if you're yeah, ready so, and waiting for that, you'll be able to download it right away. Right. So YouTube, Spotify, Netflix are not uh, actively launching uh, apps for the Apple Vision Pro. And the story speculates on Bloomberg about meta apps and other things not coming out, not companies not spending time in it. And I I don't understand why would they immediately want to be on there if the thing is only for people with deep pockets and, and or has a limited appeal initially. You know, they know they don't have a ton of people to impress, but uh, Apple has tons of people to impress with wasted time. So wasted time uh, for Vision Pro is in the App Store. I have seen it. I've been told I can't have it because I don't have a Vision Pro. Um <laughs> Will he be offering alternative payment systems to people who are for in-app purchases, do you think? I, I think those are feature requests we should probably make with the development team. Right, because Apple's uh, obviously now also said that developers can link to alternative <laughs> payment methods, I believe, under under court order. Um, <laughs> so, uh, But they're still taking a small percentage cut from that yeah. transaction. Yes. Well, it, 27%? You know, platform owners. Yeah, seven percent instead of thirty. Is that right? Uh, that's what I took away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'll be really interesting. Um, I'm sure we'll have more to say as it rolls out. I'll be curious to go and do a try on myself and kind of get the experience in the Apple Store in a curated fashion. Um, I, th- I think some honestly, of the bigger. I honestly think it could be incredible, uh, and I think yeah, it, it can. What be. we're seeing, reading at least in, again, I, when we've I've been cynical here. But what I'm reading is that, you know, it does have some incredible interactions. 
So yeah, I, I am I am hopeful. I am excited. Uh, I, I know I'm sounding cynical because I'm waiting and seeing. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of almost unfair because typically uh, UK has been on the cutting edge of everything being announced yeah. as well. So this yeah. is a little weird this time, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's the same. Actually, going all the way back to the first first phone, you know, we did have to wait yeah. for that. But let's um let's let's just round off with one final link um because because we're we're at the, we're at time. Oh yes, we um, are. And just um just to to say that I came across a fun little uh, toy web toy this week. Uh, which oh. Is, Drawing Garden. So if you go to drawing.garden in your browser, uh, I honestly haven't tried it on mobile. I was using a desktop, I think, at the time. Some of the time. Drawing.garden uh, in a web browser. Uh, you do need to click to and have some sound, uh, but it's just a fun little thing. You can draw yourself a gar emoji garden just by moving your mouse. Very calm. Ever so slowly. Yeah. And you'll get a little, if you've got the click, you've done the click, you've got the sound, you'll get a nice, soothing musical environment and i just it just reminded me that the web is an incredible thing um browser technology web technology is just fantastic and people can still make whimsical fun little things um that uh make me smile fabulous give it a shot well, michael we'll have all the links it's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, where and, should our listeners you. go to uh check out our previous episodes Oh, well, absolutely. I would recommend that you know, pick your favorite podcaster of choice. Make sure you listen you know, on a regular basis so it actually keeps downloading for you automatically. Exactly. That's what, what I would suggest. But if you wanted to get started and you didn't want to start in the podcatcher of choice, you could always go to gamesatwork.biz, and that will have our whole catalog history of all the things we've talked about for 450, 450. episodes. That's a lot so of lots episodes. to search, lots to search. And large language model people, if you train it, you know, we've TM'd it all. So you owe us money. Right. All right, everybody. Uh, we we'll will be ya. back in the future. See ya. Bye. You've been listening to GamesAtWork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at gamesatwork_biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz. Mm -hmm.